and welcome to the Amateur Podcast. My name is Ryan O'Connor, and today I'm talking to Lynn Ryall. Lynn is a retired high school art and history teacher in Peel region. She now lives with her husband, Mark, in Hamilton. Mark is a retired teacher turned author and amateur painter. Lynn's daughter, Stephanie, is a med school student at Western. Lynn is also an amateur musician who paints landscapes professionally. You can find her on Instagram at Lynn Ryle Art. And today she's going to talk to us about how to learn painting. Lynn, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Ryan. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, I've tried painting a few times. I've never been very good at it. So I'm really excited to learn how to develop my painting skills. So I'm really glad you joined me today. So my first question is, when did you start for when did you first start painting? And how was the start of your painting journey? I uh, have uh, been drawing and painting and making art ever since I was a little kid, actually. So it was something that I always did uh, from the from kindergarten on. I just that the, the if they had activities in kindergarten and I went straight to the painting easel every time. And uh, I just like colors. And uh, my mother used to say that my room was a massive sparkles and paint stains. But uh <laughs> Uh, I took art all through high school, um, and uh, and I did a degree in history first to sort of satisfy my parents, uh, and then went, but I enjoyed history. But uh, but uh, I started going to OCAD after I graduated and went through teachers college because I wanted to teach as well. And OCAD really got me moving in the in the painting and drawing uh, department and. Because I've been teaching art, uh, I've always sort of painted in my holidays and and so forth. But when I retired, that's when I, I got a real studio at the Cotton Factory in Hamilton. And uh, I've been seriously painting since. Nice. Um, so you, were, you, f- you feel like you were kind of a born artist and then sort of later on got professional training through OCAD and, and that's how you developed. Um, did you find that, uh, did you find that teaching art at high school did that help you develop your art at all at all absolutely because you're forced to um study methodologies um you know you can you can do art but not know how to explain it mm-hmm. to to and it took me seriously about five years in teaching to begin to understand what i sort of oftentimes did instinctually, mm-hmm. but began to understand how I could explain it and translate it for students so that they could learn. Mm-hmm. And, and as I began to do that, that, that was a real art in itself was to learn how to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that when you, when you have to teach something, you really, really get into it and, and you really have to learn a lot about it so that you can explain it for others to understand. Um, so when, how did you first learn and develop your art? Uh, well, as I said, I think I really began uh, to um, well uh, to learn it in high school. My mother used to take me to classes because she knew I liked art, so she took me to all sorts of classes, uh, you know, through the uh, you know through the rec- parks and recreation and places like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I went to a, a special little school down in Toronto called the Three Schools of Art when I was very young, and mm-hmm. I that was pretty neat and and uh but um 
I think when I went to OCAD after, like, I started to go to OCAD while I was teaching. I actually went while I was actually teaching um, and got into second year because, uh, you know, you have to go for interviews and everything. And they gave me advanced placement. So I wound up doing uh, drawing and painting at night. Uh, until my daughter was born, and then I was pretty busy after that. But uh, but I've taken various courses, uh, Sheridan College, Halliburton mm-hmm. School, uh, Dundas Valley School, all sorts mm-hmm. of places um, to help develop things that I wanted to learn better mm-hmm. and uh, become more proficient at and so forth. So uh, that's, that's sort of how I did it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so we'll get into how we can learn painting ourselves. But uh, first, I'm curious to know where you get inspiration for your own art. Well, as a landscape painter, I, I mainly get it from nature. Uh, you know, that's that's probably the easiest answer. Um, and Hamilton's an amazing place because yeah. there's so many nature paths here. But I've always had a longing for the north. So that's, huh. that's uh, since I was a little kid, I've loved the north. Huh. And uh, my parents used to take us up north to cottages or rent cottages or things like that. And I'd go nutso and then I went to summer camp and went nutso over nature there and then uh so uh but I also had uh real inspirations uh from Canadian painters originally um my mother took me to an Emily Carr exhibition Mm -hmm. and I went just crazy uh Mm -hmm. over that and uh so the group of seven the impressionists art history's really had a huge impact on me as well Mm -hmm. so I've had uh you know I took a several uh, university courses in art history and, and, uh, that had, and going to galleries helps as well. It's, it's really huge. Interesting. So I'm curious to know when you do your paintings, do you do them in the field or do you do them from picture, from memory or a mixture of, of the three? How do you paint? Definitely a mixture of the three. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's definitely a mixture of the three. Mm -hmm. I, get out in summers and fall and do a lot of plain air. Um, I just came back from a trip to Killarney uh, with a fellow artist. uh, And we spent three days just painting in and around uh, the hiking spots and canoeing spots in Killarney. And that was amazing. So, but that's all plain air, uh, which means on plain air, which means on site and smaller paintings. Um, I do a lot of sketching as well, but I also take thousands and thousands and thousands of photographs and i'll come back into the studio and look at everything and do a combo of all that make larger paintings off of my my findings so that's basically how i do it i do do things from memory um and uh i i think more that i take what i some of the visual aids that i have and then change or alter or abstract them a little bit so okay Interesting. Um, I've always wondered, I imagine it, it'd be very difficult to paint en plein air in certain weather. <laughs> which, oh, uh, limits. I've had that. <laughs> yeah. That's a difficulty, right? Oh, um, I've actually sat on the back of a hatchback of a car oh, nice. with a car hatchback wow. open um, in a rainstorm, just trying to, you know, uh, painting out the back of a hatchback, just doing, doing that. Uh, I've had umbrellas or, you know, all sorts of little gizmos that you can have to, to do that. And I constantly wear a hat and have a raincoat and do all that. So, so I had those. It's all part of the experience, right? (laughs) Yes, it is definitely. Um, okay. So let's get into now how we 
normal people, non-professionals can start to learn to paint our own landscapes. First of all, what materials do we need to paint landscapes? Well, first of all, I think you need a basic sketchbook uh, because a basic sketchbook, uh, get a couple of really nice pencils. You can get sets of drawing pencils Mm -hmm. and charcoal or Conte Um, because the most important thing um, in doing any kind of landscape is to understand how to see. So it's always a good idea in the classes that I teach. It's always a good idea to make small sketches Mm -hmm. in a sketchbook. Hmm. of the scene that you want to paint Hmm. and that can be very quick too Uh, just painting um or just drawing the basic shapes first out and even taking some different gray tone markers we call them tombrow markers and doing Mm -hmm. um light and dark sort of uh studies on it even taking sort of some photographs so you have them as reference as well Mm-hmm. And then um, when you start painting, you can do a variety of things. You can get a, a small, um, if you are if you don't want to carry a lot of stuff, I recommend uh, painting in watercolor okay. and getting a small, um, you know, a watercolor pad, getting some water with you. Always carry a water source yep. and uh, some sponges, some paper towels, things like that. And just put them in a knapsack. And uh, a lot of people bring a, a portable easel, but uh, I I find sometimes they blow over. <laughs> so sometimes I just even paint on my lap. Okay. Uh, but uh, so, but I do I do paint on easels too as well, yeah. and I taught classes that way. But um, if you want to get into more canvas painting, I mm-hmm. recommend uh, a, a very basic set of acrylics. Mm. Uh, don't try to get every color in in the universe. Yeah. Uh, just get the primary colors and some white and black uh just to just to have all the different primary colors i recommend getting that your set has a green because if you're outside you're, right you, you definitely have green in it um and okay. it's helpful um but you can mix green as well so yep. so so uh basic acrylics then if um you get really into it and you decide that you i want to do oil painting then you can also do that too oil painting is actually not that hard to do outside really? uh it, it's not that hard you just get uh a bit of uh, Gamsol, uh, and uh, which is non, which is a non-smelling turpentine, mm-hmm. um, and a closable jar, mm-hmm. and get your paints and some um, and some um, oil medium so that you can you can thin out the paints if you want to, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, a little box to put everything in and put it in your knapsack. Bring a portable easel. Go to it. Like it's uh, if you want to do it that outside, if you mm-hmm. want to do it inside, it's a lot easier. Yeah. So you just yeah. uh, make sure. Oh, yeah. Portable pallets and things like portable that. Pallets, so, yeah. yeah, a portable pallet. And yeah. uh, so, and also a garbage bag. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have things to be able to, right. you know, put put and, uh, your garbage. Somewhere right. Right. Brushes, too. I imagine we need a, a few Absolutely. different sizes need, of brushes. Yes. I yeah. would recommend getting um I mean, if you want to keep it really simple, get a large uh, number uh, 10 to 14 uh-huh. uh, f- flat uh, brush, uh, uh, so either synthetic or hog's hair. Uh-huh. And uh, also you don't have to get, uh, and then some medium, you get what are called round brushes, which they're they're either round brushes for the medium uh, sections. Uh, right. 
or um, and then you can get what are called filberts, which are kind of rounded at the edge. They're flat, but they're rounded at the edges, okay. and they're helpful for trees. Okay. And uh, also, uh, and then some uh, smaller flat brushes, and then some detail brushes. Okay. One brush I do recommend getting that really helps with very thin lines uh-huh. um, is a uh, is a long. Uh, it's a, called a rigger brush, and uh, brush. It, it helps okay. with very long branches if you're huh. outside painting. You oh. know, like, and it's it. People don't think they can do long lines with it, but it's fantastic for that. So, yeah. so detail brushes, couple, but don't you don't need to get any more than right. if you're going outside, like uh, five or six brushes at the most. Okay, you know? okay, sounds good. Um, so. You mentioned starting with watercolors is a good idea and then moving up to oils. Does that sort of reflect the difficulty level of each of these paint types? Are watercolors a little bit easier to work with than the other two? Uh, It depends. It Uh depends. Watercolor, very high level watercolor is actually quite difficult. But, you know, acrylics is a a really good way to start if you want to start with acrylics. And the reason I say acrylics are so great to to start with is, number one, you can clean them off with water. Mm -hmm. But number two... uh, you can paint over them. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you make mistakes, that's not a problem because you can paint right over the mistake right. and, and, it, and acrylic will cover the mistake. So, oh, nice. so, and a lot of people are worried about making mistakes, yeah, but, but a lot yeah. of, a lot of people like uh, watercolor cause it's so portable, you know, and yeah, it's easy. Yeah. And, and also it's very easy to clean up. Yeah. It's, a lot of people worry about mess and, uh, and watercolor is great that way, but the watercolor is a different methodology of laying down paint okay. uh it's it's very it goes very light light to dark in mm-hmm. watercolor and often with acrylic it's dark to light you know so it's it's like when you lay down the colors yeah it's like that okay so. okay what do we need to know before we get started Are, is there any theory or or um just general knowledge that we should know before we get we put our our brush to the paint into the canvas well it's always good idea um to uh, do some basic drawing lessons yep. before you, um, you know, go and buy a really expensive canvas yep. or something like that um, and do some basic drawing lessons, really have an idea mm-hmm. in your head of what you would like to paint. Um, and I often recommend that people just get a basic drawing book uh, on basic shapes, like learning mm-hmm. how, because because uh, doing any kind of uh, learning how to do art is about understanding that you're not drawing a tree, you're not drawing fruit, you're drawing shapes. You're mm-hmm. drawing shapes, mm-hmm. and those shapes have light and dark parts, mm-hmm. and they sit in front of each other. They, they, you know, where they are on what is called a picture plane. So, uh, are they in the front? Or are they towards the back mm-hmm. of the picture plane? And so I often recommend that they take sort of uh, they they take lessons that involve learning what are called the elements and principles of design. And so there are so many tutorials on Pinterest Mm -hmm. and on Google and uh, all sorts of different places uh, to learn how to draw. And oftentimes I do recommend taking a couple of uh, drawing lessons even first, just just so that you understand how to compose a composition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you're learning uh, like where to place a focal point, Uh, like where do you place the most important piece that you want people to look at in the, in the composition? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you, 
uh, what, how do you create a basic shape? Uh, like for example, how to draw a perfect circle like that, you know, like some people really struggle with that. Oh, and, that's me. Yep. and, uh, so, and ha- there are methodologies on how to actually do that. Like it's, it's, do you believe that you can actually draw a perfect circle from creating just a box first and then trying to place the perfect circle within it, you oh, know, a square? Okay. I, I could see that making it easier. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. little tips and, okay. and tools, but yeah. um, so, so drawing is definitely where to start. Okay. And then once, um, once you, once you've had a few drawing lessons, then let's try and uh, move to, you know, move to a painting. Uh, and one of the things I, I do recommend is, you know, I used to always teach a, a basic color lesson first mm-hmm. and um with with students on how to mix basic colors mm-hmm. so uh for example and the basic colors are you know the primaries red blue yellow mm-hmm. which of uh, which there are numerous varieties but at most stores will carry primary most most art stores like curry's or Desaires or or gortzman's or any of those places in ontario will carry um just a basic uh set and uh so you the key is to look at learning about how colors work on a color wheel and so learning how to mix colors so you know primaries uh into secondary colors Uh and knowing that structure and then learning how to add light and dark to them yep okay and then you get into you know later when you get more advanced you start learning about different color schemes such as um what we call monochromatic, one color adding a light or a dark to it, or colors mm-hmm. which sit side by side on the color wheel, which are called analogous, or right. opposite colors, which are we call complementaries, and yep. which are like a red and a green. That's why we have it at Christmas. They they pull each other out. So mm-hmm. so it's kind of neat that way. Yeah. And uh, so so learning all that uh, just and you can do little exercises related to that mm-hmm. and practice. Uh, doing small painting exercises uh, and and then also just practicing using the different brushes. Uh, mm. So and and doing little exercises where you practice painting with a flat brush, mm-hmm. practice painting with a rounded brush or a, what we call a bright brush, which is an angled brush or mm. a thin detail brush and what how much paint they hold, etc. And, yep. and just, you know, just do little exercises. You can even do it in a mixed media sketchbook where where uh, the paint the paper is a little thicker and so you can yeah. practice with acrylics or even oil paints you know you can do that mm-hmm. uh, and and just practice uh, those those lines and strokes and practice color mixing um, you can even make little charts for yourself of, of uh, all the different color stra- uh, structures so that if you want a certain color you can oh I can look this up you know, and, yeah. uh, and how do I mix it? You know, I know this kind of kind of green is made with this much yellow and this much blue. And, you know, so um, those are things that you can do, you know, beforehand. That's what I used to do with my classes is right. I used to do color exercises and they like getting uh, the one thing is they, they want to get right away into doing all that stuff. So so hands on exercises yeah. are definitely yeah. the best way to, right. to uh teach it because just looking at it doesn't always do it you got to do the hands-on stuff just you know practicing using the materials playing with color structures etc doing light and light light and dark studies and things like that you got to get your hands does that make sense oh 100 yeah you got to get your hands dirty to uh 
to really get the feel for the how the colors mix, how to use the brushes and that sort of thing. And um, so definitely makes a lot of sense. That That's great advice. When I used to teach, I used to uh, just, you know, say, pull out this brush, follow me and try and try this out. And it was great because, first of all, it kept their attention. Yeah. And secondly, uh, students' attention. Um, and it's it, they they really don't love uh, – students don't love to sit and watch another – teachers adults are much better at it but but mm-hmm. you know they can they can watch what a what a teacher is doing but but they want to they want to be trying it out for sure so yeah yeah i hear you um so uh speaking of brushes since we're on that topic so you recommend just starting with say choose any brush a flat brush just feel it out feel how it it works and then sort of mix up different brushes and and just get get the sense of each how each brush works that way that's right yeah. and and uh, certain you know if you go to an art store certain brushes will work for certain types of paint so right. for example hog's hair brushes and uh, strong synthetic brushes are great for oil and acrylics right um, but you've got uh, sort of sable brushes which are uh, much much lighter they're almost like they're almost like fine hair or fine sort of animal hair. Uh, they are better for watercolor because watercolor, obviously you don't have to, it doesn't have to hold as much paint. So make sure you have, at least, you know, the type of brush that you should be using for, Uh for what paint you're using. So, so, and that is very, that's very all explained out in an art store. Like art stores will say, this is, these are watercolor brushes or these are acrylics or Uh these, you know, And then so. beyond that, I imagine the different sizes and and uh, shapes are are good for different things that you're doing with the painting. Like if you're doing a lot of color or a background, you use one brush. If you're doing sort of fine detail, you use a different brush and that sort of thing. That's right. Larger brushes tend to be for filling in yeah. uh, larger areas. I tend to use large flat brushes for a lot of the fill in part. Um, and I, sometimes if I'm doing clouds or I'm doing, uh, trees that Mm -hmm. are fluffy looking, I, I will use what's called either a filbert or uh, a a large round brush because they give a sort of a, uh, a fluffier feel like they Mm -hmm. give a a more, Mm -hmm. a, a fluffier feel than a hard edged, uh, sort of flat brush, which actually gives you, you can actually used to make a straight line yeah. um, and uh, if you hold it on the angle like if you hold it on the side you can make a straight line with a flat mm-hmm. brush so so um, so and it's actually quite effective that way but uh, so the key, key is to practice it like it, yeah. it like yeah. you know the key is really to practice yeah for won't sure won't get it right the first time that's one of my key pieces of advice yeah. <laughs> you will not get it right the first time you, you just got to go for it right and it doesn't matter if it looks like some child threw up on the canvas and just go for it and and feel it out and see how it works that's right yeah. and a lot of you know they have actually classes now that they that art for the terrified well like you know it's yeah. it's it's actually like throwing yourself off the cliff it's yeah. you know it's sort of uh uh, adults in particular are t- mm-hmm. and teenagers are terribly mm-hmm. afraid to look bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- and uh, are terribly afraid to, you know, look 
have their work look terrible mm-hmm. and they're always comparing themselves to the next person. And uh, it's uh, so I always used to tell my students paint for the garbage. That was the funny, you know, and a couple <laughs> of the students came back later and said, that's the line I remember the most from the class. <laughs> that's a good line. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. so because, you know, if you paint something bad, throw it out, yeah. get rid of yeah. it, you know, like it's or, or paint over it. If yeah. you're, if you want to be environmentally minded. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely so true. And that, that speaks to, um, sort of the, the ethos of this podcast a little bit is just that like a lot of people, mostly adults are afraid to learn new things because it involves looking bad <laughs> at the start because you, you're obviously not going to start out as like a, a highly skilled painter or, or whatever. So you, you just have to go through that and, and get through it. Um, I wanted to pick up on the the drawing aspect a little bit. So if you're teaching a class on painting, you would start out with sketching and sort of, of figuring out how to compose a, a picture mm-hmm. or, or, or what would you call it, an artwork. Um, is there anything you would focus on most? What, what would you spend most of the time teaching if you were doing that? Well, one of the things that I have students do um, oftentimes is, uh, so say if we're actually painting something uh, that's in the classroom, say like a still life, uh, you know, which I often, uh, you know, I'll have them put, say, an apple and um, another piece of fruit, like a banana or something Mm -hmm. together in front of them, uh, in in front of their desk and, and compose it. And what you're looking for is, uh, what are the what are those basic shapes mm-hmm. that uh, those things are that we know an apple's a rounded shape? Oftentimes, it will have deformities off of the. It won't be a perfect circle most of the time, but it it will be a large rounded shape. You're trying to actually uh, look and place a lot of your shapes in. Um, uh, do, uh, in in the how you place them on the on the page. So, for example, a, a lot of people use what is called the rule of thirds, which yeah. you put a, a little tic tac toe uh, cross uh, board um, on a sketchbook pad and mm-hmm. uh, a little square frame around it or whatever, and and then try to place the object that you want to be the most central and draw that shape in first Hmm. and then um and also it's going to be the one that's closest to you and draw that object first and then look for where um the next object that's sitting behind it look for where that shape connects to the first object because in most cases they won't be separate they'll be sort of one will be in front of the other Hmm. so you'll be learning to where those basic shapes are so draw the basic shapes in first you Hmm. don't try to do detail that's the biggest mistake students make is to try to put in all this detail the best thing is and then anything else any lines that come out or say if it's the edge of a table where's the edge of the table hit the object so you're looking you're you're trying to look and see where those basic shapes are in the picture and and uh once you draw those in those basic shapes uh, it's always a good idea to let some of those basic shapes uh, lead off the page because that always looks better. Yeah. Um, but try to put your central focus in one of those tic-tac-toe corners and the largest object uh, and then uh, have draw the shapes around it. Um, do, am I making sense? Uh, yeah, so- no, I, I'm, I'm envisioning it in my head, right? You just take a page, you tic-tac-toe, lines, lines going... Um, 
um, lengthwise and crosswise, horizontal and vertical. Is that right? Yeah. yeah and then yeah. and then you sort of have your gr- it's it's like a grid, right? And then you sort of yeah. draw in um, the major shapes that you see uh, as they sort of fit into that grid. Does that does that make sense? That's that's absolutely yeah. right. And yeah. you don't. Don't try to put in any detail. Just yeah. put those basic shapes in, yeah. and uh, just uh, that's so, what I would. So if I it's an apple, you draw a circle, and then and then sort of you flesh out the details after. Does that is that? That's exactly yeah, right. Okay. That's exactly right. Okay. And um, and then what I have to do, what I often do after they've got the basic shapes in, mm-hmm. I start to ask them. Okay, now let's look where the lights and darks are. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the lights and darks are shapes. Yeah, they're not. They're not necessarily just an edge. They're they're actual shapes. Hmm. So you. Uh, so okay. So where are your darkest darks? What shape is it? Is it a rectangle? Mm-hmm. Is it a half moon? Is it a uh, you know what what shape is it? Hmm. Draw that in as well, hmm. and don't try to shade everything and just try and actually create the space where the mm-hmm. shape is where that dark is going to be mm-hmm. and uh and flush out those areas and then you're ready basically to put you know say if you're doing a little sketch uh put in you're ready to use the side of your pencil and or do cross hatching or whatever it is mm-hmm. to put in the darks and put in the lights and then after that, look at at the details. Like, is it uh, you know? Do you have little ridges, or do you mm-hmm. have little areas of? Uh, do you have? Is it a smooth surface? Do you have to use the side of the pencil mm-hmm. to smooth it out? Do you want a definite edge or line? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do first. Mm-hmm. Uh, in painting, it's the same process. You draw in the basic shapes. Mm-hmm. Then you look at where are my darkest darks Mm -hmm. and you paint in the darkest dark areas first um, in the piece and then and then uh, gradually add in your medium Mm -hmm. uh, shapes of of color and uh, then your lighter areas and then. Uh, and then you start adding in the details with the high detail brushes on top of that. So it's mm-hmm. a layering process. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that does. Uh, just uh, one one question is when you start out with the shapes on when you're on when you're painting, uh, do you draw it with like a pencil on the canvas before you add color, or do you use a, a color uh, one color or something to draw on the shapes? How do you do um, that? Um, everybody's different yep. um, in how they do it. Some mm-hmm. people draw it out with charcoal. Okay. Some People, I use. Uh, I tend to because I like to. Um, I don't like to paint directly on white. I tend to tint my canvas first. Okay. Um, I tend. I tint it usually in a um, um, sort of a what's called a raw sienna, um, sort of a brownish red okay. uh, on the background. Yeah. Um, but it's a medium. Like it's not a really deep color, not really uh, or a light color. I tend to sort of tint the whole canvas first. Mm-hmm. And then I take um, I often use chalk, uh, white chalk, mm-hmm. so I can I can draw in the shapes first, and yeah. then uh, and also white chalk gets you can get rid of it yeah. really easily. Yeah. It, it some people use um, Conte to to flesh it out. Some people will use uh, they'll just get their uh, a, a brush. 
and get a, a slightly darker um, shade of their paint and mm-hmm. then paint in the basic shapes that way. Uh, and because the, they feel more comfortable using uh, paint on their canvas than they yeah. do using pencil or pencil's hard to see on a canvas. Right, right. Um, so it it's fine on a watercolor darker. piece. Okay. I use it all the time on a watercolor piece, but yeah. it's not it's not easy to see on a canvas. Huh. So so I t- tend to... Um, I, I tend, to, I personally tend to use chalk, but yeah. but uh, some people use ink. Some people use, the, you know, so so whatever you're comfortable uh-huh. drawing with, you can use. Um, and uh, some people use a marker. So okay. some people, you know, do you know. So it, but but most people either use uh, slightly darkened uh, paint. Don't use black. Yep. If you can avoid it, uh, use a lighter color because okay. black will uh, black muddies every color that you've got. Okay, okay. Uh, and so, I would use a brown or okay. use a, a a dark blue or something like that. Okay. You know, do not use a Good black. Time. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned you tinted your canvas before. Is that like a stylistic choice or? Is there... Well, I, I picked that up from AJ Casson, okay. who used yeah. to tint it, tint his canvases. Um, it's because I can see what I'm painting better when I'm mm. in the middle range of value in terms of, uh, and value means light and dark. Okay. So, uh, in terms of uh, when I see white, my eyes tend to flicker all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a canvas and I find it's very hard for me to detect what's light, what's medium and what's dark. Okay. So if I have a medium range tinted background in the background, I can see better see. Uh, what I'm creating. And I find it's also much more helpful for me when I'm laying down my basic paint colors okay. uh, at the beginning. Um, so that is what I do. Not everybody does that, but, but some people like my husband, he uses just a white canvas, but, but uh, I, some people see better, but I think it's just my eyes. I I think I find it a lot easier to draw something that's a medium range, uh, light or dark. Like it's in, in the middle of what we call values, Hmm. you know? So. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, coming back to color, on that note a little bit um you talked about how we learn to mix colors and just going for it when we start a painting let's say we we've gotten our color mixing skills up to par <laughs> um should we start with a few basic colors or or how do you how do we determine what colors to use for um for a painting well it's it's not a bad idea um i always make sure that I do have my paints laid out in uh, sort of the way the color wheel works. Right. So uh, on, like I have, I'll, I'll, I'll take the tube of paint and, uh, you know, I'll put out say reds, uh, orange, yellow, or, yeah. and then go to green um, blues. And then um, sometimes a, a purple or a, a, a dio- what we call a dioxin purple, but you know, it's um, sometimes I have those out and I have the whites. Um, I don't use a, a set black. I use what's called Payne's gray um, because I don't want to go totally black. Um, black tends to take your eye when you put black on a canvas and I have a lot of darks in my canvas. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but pure black out of the tube tends to pull your eye right in. Right. And you are 
your eye only goes to that spot on the canvas and it doesn't go around the rest of the, the canvas. Right. So, so okay. I tend to not, so I tend to create what are called darks rather than, than just pure blacks. So, oh. so I have them laid out okay. and then um, I look at what the basic colors that are going to take up a huge amount of space in the painting. So say mm. a sky or, um, or say if you've got a, a an earth area right. in your painting and it's mostly brown. Yeah. Okay. Or it's mostly brown. Um, so I tend to have a sort of a separate little palette and mix, mix the, the major colors and you've got to mix a fair bit of paint. You can't right. just do a little bit because you're going to take, you're going to be covering sort of a base layer of colors. Um, um on those and so i mix those base colors and then i put them on and and then i mix uh and then when we start to get into shade lights and darks mm -hmm. um in the way that you want to do say say an object is not just um uh, one color it's or one one tone it's mm -hmm. uh I, I mix variations by either adding white or what I, what we often call sort of uh, a complementary or or uh, color. So say if I want to darken a green or dull down a green, I'll put a little bit of red in it and uh, move it in one direction. So I tend to a lot of people sometimes make mix all their colors that they, they know they're going to use for sure mm -hmm. on the canvas and they put them in little categories on their palette. That's not a bad way to go. Yeah. I don't always do that, but but I, I come pretty close to that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense com uh, completely. Um, okay, so once we've got our colors set up, then we put our brush to the colors and our brush to the canvas. Is there anything we need to know about you maybe holding the brush or using our brush strokes or how to keep a steady hand? How can we develop and perfect these technical skills? Sometimes it's, uh, you know, don't hold your brush like you hold a pencil. Okay. Okay. That's one, one key thing. You, you, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen uh, painting brushes, especially for acrylics and oils. They're mm -hmm. long. Yep. And you try not to hold them right at the very end. You, you, you can't paint the, you know, with detail brushes, that's a different thing. You, mm -hmm. can, you can get a little closer and, and, and use it more like a painting, but you're going to use your full arm a little bit, yeah. like not okay. your full arm. You're going to use at least your forearm yeah. to, to, to paint and practice doing that yeah. and laying down the strokes. Um, if you want to really even stroke practice painting, um, like strokes one after the other to create a kind of a, a flat area. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really, really important to, to do that, to create, uh, for example, if you've got a, a really, if you're really jittery and there are a lot of people who do that, who are, and I am mm -hmm. on detail. I, I, I get really jittery on mm -hmm. detail. I have to practice it all the time because mm -hmm. I, I sort of tense up, you know, uh, yeah. I tense up when I do detail. So, um, and that's why my paintings tend to be so impressionistic, which is <laughs> not, not as detail focused on the little pieces. But uh, one thing you can do is you can get what we call a mall stick, which is a, uh, a little stick. Uh, it usually has some kind of a soft end on it and you paint and you hold it down. And so you can rest your arm while you're painting on oh, it to, cool. to keep it steadier. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do, is if you want to do straight lines, yep. use painter's tape. Uh, okay. 
put painter's tape down. Mm. So say if you're wanting to do a building, yeah. you're wanting to paint a building or a straight edge, mm. uh, put down some painter's tape mm. and, and do it that way. Yeah. I You can also just get a, a ruler that you don't mind getting messy and use that. Yeah. Uh, um, turn it upside down so that it right, doesn't spread right. underneath the paint. Yeah. Uh, so because there's a little air pocket underneath the ruler most times and mm. you can, uh, you can uh, use that for lines. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, those are, those are ways, but you have to use your arm. But the key thing here, and I, and I keep saying this is learn how much one brush can handle in terms of how much paint you can put on. Like a lot of people will put a lot of paint on something and they want to do a thin line. And, uh, the big thing is they'll get a big glob that comes right, off because right. they put too much paint oh, on, okay. the, on the brush. Yeah. So the key is to learn how much your brush can handle yeah. for certain tasks. Okay. Like if you want to paint a large area, it's fine to have a big glob on, on your paintbrush. Yeah. But but if you're using um, and don't be and 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 don't also the other thing I would say is don't be. Uh, there's a couple of people um, who get really conservative with how much paint they use. Okay. A- and painting is about using paint you got to use it you know like you know i hate to say that you know it's it's gonna cost some money but you know like Mm -hmm. it's you know you gotta you've gotta not be afraid to use the paint right Uh, a little practice sheet beside you too so like so say for example like you 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 you're afraid to do the stroke say you've got to put in a, a line or something you're afraid to do the stroke have a little little side piece of paper or something, you know, some kind of palette or, and practice it before you do it. Because I hate to say this, doing it over and over again is the way to, to yeah. learn. Yep. Yep. Practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Are there any other? So once we've gotten that down, we're, we're sort of working with our canvas. Maybe we've started to recognize we're improving a little bit. Are there any other skills that we want to develop as we're getting better at painting? You mentioned value. Um, I know perspective is important. Like, I don't know what the proper term for it, but sort of making sure <laughs> that all the shapes are like the distance, the shapes in the distance are yes. smaller than the ones in the front, right? That's, yes. that's what that is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, oftentimes when we teach perspective, uh-huh. um, uh, and, and basically for those people who really don't know what perspective is, um, it's learning how to see into a picture plane um in in depth so like what is in the very background as as opposed to what is in the foreground and there's actual mathematical ways to to learn that um so i i always do teach basic perspective but Mm -hmm. the first key of of perspective is is learning about foreground but middle ground and background Mm -hmm. and how they intersect um and so oftentimes i'll just ask you know when i'm starting perspective is i'll I'll ask people to try and take three objects and put put them uh one in the foreground one behind middle Mm -hmm. ground and one in the background and and see what the sizes and look at the sizes of the shapes in the in the foreground Mm -hmm. and background and, and how large they are because obviously objects get smaller as they go into a background, but it forces them to really begin to understand um, depth. And, and, and then you start learning about, of course, horizons, because all paintings, regardless of whether or not you can see the horizon, have a horizon, an invisible horizon line Mm -hmm. that all things lead towards. Um, And so that's really important. Uh, I just did a whole tutorial myself on how waves 
atoms actually go hmm. towards a horizon line, you know, and how they work and uh, like on, on lakes and so forth. But, uh, but so that's, that's another thing that definitely um, even basic tutorials are available online to, yeah. to actually practice. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and uh so you were also asking about uh, other skills that you, yep, you yep. that you should learn. Um, I, I think the other thing too is uh, with paints themselves, mm-hmm. um, you want to look at uh, what's the difference between a soft edge and a okay. hard edge. Okay. Uh, okay. So because sometimes things are very soft looking, yeah. and they they blend into each other. Yep. And so, so some ba- and a lot of times uh, people will use if they're using acrylics or oils, they'll use use what's called a medium, okay. which thins the paint out okay. uh, a little bit or flat. You know, it makes it a little bit more uh, liquidy or fluidy. And and oftentimes you can paint over the different types of strokes you can use to yeah. blend uh, blend paint. So I often I'll use a. Uh, a dry brush or a, a dry brush stroke to sort of blend from light to dark, uh, uh, depending on what I'm doing. Or sometimes I'll use even uh, wet on wet techniques to blend between two objects. Uh, but also it's learning too about how to create a hard edge on, uh, so that right. you create a very definite um, uh, you know, definite, it's a definite division between um, uh, light and dark on a, on, uh, you know, on the edge of an object. Yeah. So, so that they can see, see things. And um, so, so learning those distinctions over time is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, also paints themselves, like with oils, you go, you really start with the more fluid parts of the paint on the bottom. They call this fat over lean. Mm-hmm. So, so you're putting more, um, say a medium or uh Gamasol, which is a, a medium that dissolves paint or whatever, mm-hmm. in with the paint, and it makes it more watercolor-like. And then you can put those on for for larger areas on the bottom. But as you get um, as you layer the paint on, you can get thicker, and that mm-hmm. means the paint gets thicker. so. So for little highlights, you might have more of a, a, a stiffer paint on the top and things like that. So mm-hmm. so that's that's one of the rules that we masters used to teach with fat over lean, you know, and things right. like that, which is so thin, thin layers to thick layers, you okay. know, on the top for, for oils and acrylics. So you start with a thinner so, layer and then you, you go over it with thicker, thicker levels yeah. of paint. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that goes, and, and that helps to create, uh, it, it helps to create um, more interesting textures yeah. and so forth. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. What are some common mistakes made by beginners? <laughs> oh, there's all sorts. Uh, <laughs> one, they draw too small. Okay. Yep. Try to fill your picture plane if right, you can. Right. Um, they they try to do all the detail of one object first. Okay. Without putting all the other shapes in. Okay. So they have no way of seeing how the shapes compare to each other. I see. So they just tend to draw one object first and they'll put all the yeah. detail in and, 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 or they'll paint it and then they won't paint it in comparison to everything else. So it's, so the key thing is to keep moving around the canvas. They tend to put it in one area and uh-huh. that's it. And, and that's a very common, 
common, common mistake. They either, pay, they either draw too small that, or they'll go really too bright in areas that shouldn't be bright, okay. or they'll they'll or they won't apply enough paint, <laughs> and uh, that's that's a that's another thing. They're, they'll be too uh, reticent to mm. actually apply apply the paint, and uh, they're they're scared because they don't want to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that you know, it's key is to add more stuff or mix more paint or you know that kind of thing. So so, but those are the most common mistakes. Okay. Or, and they won't get the whole the proportions right before they actually start. The proportions meaning the actual shape of the object right, actually right. looks like the shape. Yeah. You know, so get getting the proportions right before you actually move on to the painting itself uh, sometimes is really uh, you don't have to get them perfect, but you can, but at least have some way of showing. Um, you know that the 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 picture plane is all connected you're ready to go and you have a roadmap it creates a roadmap for you yeah yeah um it sounds like it's uh important to keep in mind the bigger picture so to speak of what you're creating rather than just sort of getting caught up in all the little details um first and uh, understandable that beginners are going to make mistakes it's just uh I, f- I find it's helpful to know what to avoid even if i'm going to make some mistakes as a beginner um do, do you have any other advice for beginners in terms of maybe how to develop our own style or maybe other any other tips tricks or hacks other than the ones you've uh, already mentioned well most people their style will evolve naturally okay um however people we'll try to move in a direction uh, towards the art they like, at least I, I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I, people who don't know a lot about art uh, that may not necessarily be the case, but they'll certainly be, if they're in a class, for example, they'll certainly be looking at what everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. in the room. Um, uh, The, the key thing is uh, I really, uh, I really, geared towards color i'm yep. a total color nut case uh and and always have been and uh i love that element about about color so my my um work has a lot of color in it yep. and uh a lot of um a lot of um really strong color at times mm-hmm. so so i that's a really important part for me um, so that's what I gravitate towards. And my style has really come and evolved to match that. Um, I'm messy by nature yeah. and, uh, and I work towards getting less messy over time and being more definite about how I put down strokes and things like that. Uh, that's what I'm really doing now is trying to be more definite about you know, placing a stroke down and not second guessing myself all the time. Um, but your style really evolves with you. It's like your handwriting, your signature, you know, yeah. everybody has a different handwriting. We all want certain types of, you know, styles or, or, and, and you probably will gravitate towards that. Yeah. Uh, but whether you'll hit that, another question, but it's uh, our styles change over yeah. time. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, uh, and our signatures really don't get too messed up with about, about having a style. Your mm-hmm. style will evolve as you become more skilled at what you do. So it's a and natural, organic it, it, process. It is a bit of a yeah. progression. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the artists you love, yeah. you'll probably go towards them a little bit. Right. 
So do you recommend yeah. spending time in galleries or, or cruising through, scrolling through Instagram and at art, looking at what artists are producing and sort of finding ones that you like? Is that something that helps us bring out our style? Uh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I have absolute favorites on Instagram that yep. I look at all the time. I'm totally mm -hmm. captivated by light mm -hmm. um, and how it hits objects um, and uh, in nature. That's mm -hmm. really huge for me. And uh, because that's kind of, for me, almost a spiritual component of, of understanding, you know, the world around me. Yep. Um, and, and so I look at those artists who um, really understand that and create that in their work. Mm. And, uh, and I, I look for that. Um, I just came back from a show uh, at McMichael Gallery on, on uh, it's called The Uninvited, the Women Artists of, uh, of, of the Group of Seven. And uh, I was captivated by some of the things and techniques they tried or, mm -hmm. and also some of the subject matter, how they placed place uh, their compositions on the page and yep. all that kind of thing. So I try them. I tried it myself. It, it gets me inspired and I want to go back to the studio and try it out myself. So. Well, it's, uh, it's amazing to hear that even uh, experts, professionals are, are continuously trying new things. Um, I think that's inspiration oh. for uh, those of us who are beginners. Yeah, oh, you, you're constantly learning. Yeah. And I, I learn from my studio mates all the time. I look at what they're doing. And, oh, wow, you did that. How did you do that? Or what did you, you know, yeah. did you, you know, was that intentional? Or was mm -hmm. that, you know, did you, sometimes things are intentional. Sometimes, sometimes things do happen by accident. But for most professional painters, a lot of the time it's, it, it's totally intentional. Right. How has painting impacted your life? Um, probably in every way possible. It's I've been painting since I was a little kid, but um, I think it's given me my profession. Um, I, I even though I did a degree in history, I wound up teaching art throughout for thirty years. Uh, uh, it's and now um, it's my second career, but it drives a lot of what I do. I'm I. I I am constantly looking for new places to go and see and hike to and go to and find new landscapes and new, new pieces. It gives me great joy. So, so it's, it's given me my living, but it's also given me enormous amounts of joy and it keeps me learning. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I think that's what I'd hope to get out, out of starting something like this is, is just a, encouragement, curiosity, joy, that sort of thing. So that's great. Uh, last question, Lynn, do you, are there any resources you'd recommend we check out if we want to learn painting? Um, well, there's all sorts of, um, you know, there's, I think the artist Academy, there's, mm -hmm. uh, one, one, one podcast guy who is fantastic, um, mm -hmm. is a guy named Ian Roberts, Ian Roberts. Um, Ian Roberts and he's on YouTube. And his videos for beginners are absolutely fantastic. Like in terms of just, and I still watch them. Oh yeah. I still watch them. I still go through them. And, and because he has some, just, he's a very good instructor. Yep. And so that's a really good thing. Uh, basic drawing books. Mm-hmm. Get them if you can. Mm -hmm. um, drawing on the right side of the brain is a fantastic resource. It's always has been. But also how to that show a lot of diagrams on mm -hmm. how to move from one, how to create objects and how to actually 
put together a drawing. Um, and Pinterest. Pinterest. Look at Pinterest. It has how to everything on there. <laughs> And painting demos, how to do things. I still look at it. Interesting. It's not my go-to social media uh, application, but I'll I'll definitely check it out. Thanks so much for joining me today, Lynn. That was uh, so informative, and and I definitely learned a lot from talking to you. Well, thank you, Ryan. I I really uh, appreciate it. Great. For listeners who want to check out Lynn's art, they can go to l ryall r-y-a-l-l art a-r-t dot c-a and they can follow lynn on instagram at lynn ryall art thanks so much lynn thank you very much ryan thanks for learning with me today everyone hope you enjoyed this episode let me know what you thought on our website amateurpod.com or by following us on instagram at amateurpod You'll definitely want to give at Lynn Ryle Art a follow to see all of her amazing artwork. It is stunning. Check out the show notes for more detail. I can't wait to get my hands on a canvas and some paints. But first, I think I'll brush up on my drawing skills. Don't be afraid to create. That's my new model. And also, there's a teacher in everyone you meet. <laughs>